And also our 12 to 14 year old, our youth can also head to the back and find their teachers. It's, it's wonderful to see that God has brought life to our church. Not that it was dead, but what I'm saying is seeing young people, seeing children. I love that. I love seeing families coming and bringing their children. And as I hear that hustle and bustle of the kids going to the back, it reminds me truly that we celebrate life as we give thanksgiving to our God. This is truly a special day at ECC Off Island. Uh, every Friday is special because we gather to sing songs that exalt Christ and, and we lift our voices to him and we hear the word that encourages, yet challenges us to pursue Christ. So every Friday, of course, is a special day. But today, a little bit more so, and I'll explain to you why. It's special because we, we began a journey in September that we've been thinking through our mission. We've been thinking through why exactly are we here as a church. And we've learned as we've been studying in the scriptures out of Matthew 28 as well as the bulk of the series in John 17, we've heard the words of Jesus and he has simply said, follow me. Two simple words. And he spoke it to the fishermen in the first century. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So he is calling men and women, and as we just saw, boys and girls, he is calling them, calling us to follow him. And we have learned in this series that a follower, a disciple, is a lifelong committed learner and follower of Jesus. Not just casual, not just someone that goes to church or even thinks that, God can do good things for them. And so not a casual or even a theologically or even a mentally convinced listener, but a wholehearted, committed follower and learner of Jesus. And we've been looking at what that looks like and how we do that individually and also as a church. And in this process, we've learned our mission, that as a church, we exist for one thing, simply stated, we exist to glorify God by making and developing disciples. Many people in many churches, if you ask them, well, why does your church exist? And they say, I don't know. There's good music, and there's cookies, and my kids like it, and I should go to church, but they can't articulate, well, why? Why do you go to church, and what is it there for, and what is the purpose? What is her mission in the world? What are we supposed to be doing as a church? And it's really pretty simple. We're here to glorify God. We do that by making and developing disciples for him. Now, if you're here today and you have received Christ, you've repented of your sins and you've turned to Christ with complete trust, then you are a disciple. You have committed to follow Jesus. But the question is not this morning, the key question in your notes. The question isn't, are you a disciple? The question there in your first blank is, are you a developing disciple? That's the question. You could put the word growing maturing, it's the same essence. Are you a developing, a maturing, a growing disciple? That's the question that many believers have to look in the mirror and ask him or herself is, okay, I, I, I believe in Jesus and I've, I've received him as my savior, but am I truly pursuing, am I really developing as a disciple? So that is the question. So do we have Christ-like character? Do we have Christ-like thoughts? Do we have Christ-like spending habits? Do we have a Christ-like calendar? Do we have a Christ-like set of actions and behaviors? Is all of our life 
a mirror that's reflecting the glory of God are we truly developing as a disciple, or do we just doing this spiritual thing very haphazardly, as many believers around the world do? But what we're after at ECC Off-Island is not casual or cultural Christianity. We are after full devotion. We're after people that are passionate and that are on fire for Christ, that are truly developing into him. And, and maybe you're wondering, well, how do we do that? What is, what is the strategy at ECC Off-Island? How exactly do we accomplish this mission? And to distill it down to its minimal essentials, the, the three simple words are growing, okay, so growth, community, and influence. So that's the three words. Then you know, we've had it there for like two months now, so by now you're sick of hearing it. But we need it here. We need to be reminded and let it sink in deep. There's a reason why it's a circle. Again, this is our review. We've been talking about it for two months because every one of us needs to be pursuing Christ and really growing, and we need to be having influence, but we do it in community, and we need other people. Just like last night, we had 30-plus people in my home having Thanksgiving dinner and kids running around and, and laughter and just enjoying each other, and that's part of it. We have to do it together. We're in this together, so you need community, and so we have to be doing all three of these components of the strategy every day, ongoing, privately, and of course also collectively. And so as a church, the primary avenue for your community is going to be a home group. And as far as your influence, we talked about that last week, that can be in the church, but definitely also outside in your sphere of influence. And as far as growth, there's private growth as you read and study and learn, but there's also public when you come here and you hear the word and you take notes and you go and you apply it. And so we want to keep things as simple as possible at this church. And today we're talking also about membership. We've been talking about it for several weeks now. So today is Membership Friday, and that's why today is unique. And after we're done today, we're going to go to the, a park that's very close to here. Now, your bulletin says that it's at the park that's right next to the airport. That's, that has been updated since this was printed. Uh, an opening occurred just yesterday at a park very close. I'll tell you about it in a, in a few minutes. Um, it is two minutes away from here, right next to the highway. And so the Al Bahia Community Park, it's very close, and we'll be together. We have plenty of food, and so just come. The kids can run and play. You can meet other people you haven't met yet. And so we, we want to celebrate today, Membership Friday. Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know what? I have my own home country, my own home church, and I don't know how long I'm going to be in Abu Dhabi. I may only be here for a year or two. Well, I don't know how long God has any of us here. We know this for sure. Our time is limited in Abu Dhabi. No one retires here. And so the odds of any of us being here in 30 years to retire is close to zero percentage. It's not going to happen for us. But for this time, for this season, for however long God has us here, we want to commit and be influential and have community and grow right here in this church. So we're asking for a commitment. and we're, we're, we're raising the bar today. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. But I will say this, that the New Testament, if you read the New Testament, which was written by the disciples and, of course, the associates, again, talked about that last week, that the New Testament describes over and over the apostles are writing letters and, and they're addressing specific churches. And so they're addressing specific people that are identifiable. And so whenever Paul writes to the church in Corinth or Philippi or Galatia or Ephesus, he is writing to a particular people 
so specific and identifiable that are in that church. And so they have committed to that local body. And so that is one of the primary reasons why we have church membership, because it's a way to demonstrate that we are committed, first and foremost, to Christ, and we're committed to his way to usher in redemption, which is through the proclamation of the gospel through believers that assemble in local churches. This is God's plan. Like we said in the past, there is no plan B. God's plan, there's only one, plan A, and that is the church. This is who he died for. This is who he has commissioned to go and make disciples, and so we do it together. And so basically, at the end of the service, when we're going to have time of commitment, and if you choose, if you feel led to be a member of this body, essentially what you're saying is God has called me to this church. There are many great churches. I mean, there really are in the region, but you're saying, I feel God has called me to this particular local church, and I desire to accomplish the mission that Christ has given me here with these people in this room. And so before we talk about that in more detail, I want to complete the series in John 17. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. We'll be looking at the last few verses in the chapter. Again, we're in John 17. We have been for a couple of months, and we'll wrap it up today. Begin something new next week, but this is, this is critical. As we've been learning about our mission, our mission is all about the glory of God. That is what we're about as a church, and we exist to glorify God, to display his glory, again, by making and then developing disciples. And disciples are made through the gospel, but then disciples also are developed through that very same gospel. And so the very same gospel that you heard, that transformed you, when you repented and you turned to Christ, that very same gospel, those very same truths are the ones that then continue to transform and to develop you as you go. And so the glory of God is why we do this. That is our motivation. That is the goal. And so the goal for the mission is to display God's glory, to, to honor his name, to lift him up, to praise him. And so that is why. And so the goal of the mission is to glorify God. But this morning, as we close this series, I want to also mention that it's not just the goal, it's also the fuel. It's the petrol. Americans, it's the gas. You know, no one else says gas. You know. That's what it is. You see, the glory of God is the goal of our mission, but it's also the fuel. The more you get glimpses of, the more you see God's glory, the more your heart is motivated to go and accomplish the mission. And so the glory of God is both the goal, it's the end of the mission, but it's also the fuel to enable us to push forward and desire to do it. So in your notes, there's a key truth for this morning, and the key truth, two blanks. God's glory is the first blank, is goal. So God's glory is the goal and the fuel. And so the glory of God is both the goal and the fuel for the mission. And so to say it this way, we make disciples, the mission, in order to glorify God, but we also make disciples because of the glory of God. It's both. And so if we're not seeing God's glory every day in our lives, then our hearts won't want to. You won't want to engage in community. You won't want to use influence for Christ. You won't want to grow. 
you just your heart won't want to. You'll want to do something else. Whatever it is that we're seeing the most glory in, whatever is most beautiful and precious and valuable to us, whatever our heart is captivated by, whatever consumes your thoughts, whatever you meditate on, whatever it is that is your God, whether it's the one true God or a counterfeit idol, whatever it is that our hearts are just gripped by is what you ascribe glory to, the most worth to. And that is what will push you to then glorify it that much more. And the, the goal is that it's not it, that it's a person. His name is Jesus, that we see most glory in him. Our hearts are just captivated by Jesus. And when that happens, that becomes a fuel for us to then accomplish the end of the mission. So let's look at how Jesus describes this. And so following Jesus, not just for his glory, but also because of his glory. John 17, verse 24. And he completes the prayer by saying, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now that is an amazing verse. I mean, seriously, this verse is incredible. Jesus wants us to be close to him where I am, which will be in heaven, so that we can, what he says, so that you can see my glory. And so Jesus yearns for us to be close to him. This single verse, John 17, 24, basically, you know what it is? It's a summary of the whole Bible. It's a summary of God's plan of redemption. It's a summary of salvation. This one verse captures Genesis to Revelation. It summarizes the entire plan of God. That's what God is about in this one verse, and Jesus is praying it. What he says is, I want these humans that you have created, God, that you love, I want to be close to them. You see that in Genesis. God wants to be close to Adam and Eve, but it is because they saw more glory in being God themselves than they saw in God himself. You see, Adam and Eve were tempted because you can be like God. And so they fell. They didn't see enough glory in God. And so, of course, that brought corruption, and we experience that today, sinfulness, problems, disease, marital problems, the list goes on, death. But what Jesus says here is that he wants us to be close to him so that we can see his glory. That's what he wants from us, that we could see how beautiful and amazing and majestic he is with our very own eyes. That's what he wants the most. He wants us to see it. But see, here's the problem. The problem is that we're blind. The problem is that we have sinned. And because of our sin, we stand convicted by a holy God. We have broken his laws, but not just broken his laws, we've also offended him personally. We've, we've assaulted God. And we have essentially, according to James chapter 4, we have committed adultery against God. And so we've hurt him personally, we've broken his laws as a holy God, and so we stand convicted, and so therefore, God who yearns to be close to us can't be, because a good judge can't 
just let us be close to him. We deserve to be condemned. This is a hard truth, but the scriptures reveal that the wages of sin is death, and so a wage which you earn. So we have earned death. And I teach this to my children. Whenever, whenever they disobey, I ask them, what have you just earned? And it's a spanking. I'm like, yes. You have just, with what you did, with what you said, you have just earned a spanking. That's what you earn. You, you deserve it. So I'm not spanking because I'm mad at you. It's because I love you. And your sin has just broken our relationship. And so because, little five-year-old or eight-year-old, because I want to be close to you, your sin has to be dealt with. Because your sin, your disobedience against my word, and God has given me authority over you. And so therefore, when you disobey me, you disobey God. And so therefore, you stand convicted. And so I need to teach you about the gospel by spanking your bottom. And I tell them this. I tell them, you have earned it. And so I have to spank you now. I have to. Now, in the ultimate cosmic sense, God looks at us and he says, I have to convict you. I have to. Because if I don't, then I wouldn't be a holy God. He would be ignoring our sin. But he loves you. Yes, he is holy, but he loves you, and he loves you so much that he so yearns to be close to you that Jesus came as a human. He became a human, which next month we celebrate Christmas, and that's all about God becoming a man so that he could then die on the cross in our place and offer us forgiveness that we will simply respond to this gospel with faith and repentance. You see, your salvation isn't all about you. Yes, he loves you and wants to be close to you, but it's much bigger than you or me. Your salvation is about God's glory and God displaying his beauty and his majesty and his wisdom and his grace by saving you and me, who left to ourselves would never have turned to Christ. And so God's glory is displayed in saving us from our sins. And so he wants us to see his glory. That is God's plan. But the word that Jesus uses for see, by the way, is not just a casual passing glance. The word that he uses for see is the word for stare. Like staring. Like I say, hey, kids, don't stare at people. You know, it's, not, it's, it's rude to stare at people. Well, the word here is to stare. And so it's referring to a continued searching with sustained attention is the word that he uses. And so it's the sustained continual fixed gaze is the word that Jesus uses for that they will see my glory. He wants you to stare. Jesus wants you to be fixed, to be obsessed with his glory. But instead, what happens to us is our gaze gets fixed on every problem that we have under the sun. Everything that's not right or that's not perfect or things that don't go our way or problems, and they exist. We have them. And we get so obsessed with the things that aren't perfect, and we are staring at those imperfections rather than staring at the glory of Christ. And so what, what happens is what, is what you are having your gaze fixed on becomes the fuel 
for whatever it is that you're going to be on mission for. And so if we are fixed on the problems of not having enough money, then what's going to happen is we're always going to be thinking about that. And that begins to then dominate our thinking. If we are just completely focused on the fact that my work isn't perfect, and from what I've understood, no one's work here is perfect. I mean, everyone's work, from what I understand, is very challenging here. And if you are staring at, if your gaze is fixed upon the fact that work's not right, work's not right, I hate my boss, I hate my boss, and, and we are contemplating and our, our gaze is fixed on that, what happens is that becomes a fuel for your heart to just live out frustration because of your work. But if your gaze, if you are seeing the glory of Jesus and your gaze is fixed upon him, then that becomes a fuel for accomplishing the mission, for enjoying him, no matter what's happening, and having joy because you have Jesus and you see his glory and it supersedes anything that's wrong in our world, in our own little world. Verse 25, as he continues, he says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. God sent Jesus. And we know this. We know God's grace. There are many people in this world that we work with, that we live next to, people that we see every day, work with every day, and they have not seen God's glory. They have no idea how beautiful and glorious and amazing he is. They've never tasted his goodness. They've never experienced authentic community. They've never experienced the Holy Spirit working in their heart. They don't have any idea what life can be like. They don't know. They have not seen his glory, not even a glimpse of it. When I look out in this audience, even, I see a glimpse of the glory of God in the diversity that we have in our church, and yet we're one because we're binded through the gospel, through this mission. And that is a glimpse of heaven itself. It is a glimpse, it's a shadow of God's glory that he's allowing us to have. And there are many people in this world that have no idea what that's like. Their hearts are full of bitterness or frustration or sadness or racism or whatever else, and just emptiness. But we have seen his glory even if it's just a glimpse, and it has transformed us. And it's God's grace that has changed everything. We have seen it. The world doesn't know, but we know. And it's up to us to let them know. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. There is just so much. And I wish we could take more time and really dissect these three verses, but I want to have enough time to really address church membership because many have been asking about that. This is important. But this is critical. He says that he has made known the name of God. Someone's name describes their character. And so if you say, well, you've, you've trashed my name, well, that's because someone maybe talked bad about you or they gossiped or slandered and they trashed your name, your reputation. They hurt your character. And so they hurt the way people perceive you. And so when you talk about someone's name, talking about who they are, their essential character, their heart. And so when Jesus says, 
that he has revealed the name of God to us, his followers. He's saying he has revealed God to us. He has revealed God's heart, his character to us. But then he says that he will continue to make it known that he's going to have this continued revelation through his very life. He reveal who God is. And so what is God like, you ask? How do I know what God is like? Look to Jesus. If you look to Jesus, you see what God is like. He revealed the Father's name, the Father's character to us. But he says that I will continue to make it known. This continued revelation is pointing to the cross. Because remember, when he finishes this prayer, you turn the page in chapter 18, immediately what happens? He's betrayed. And then he has that joke of a court, and he's crucified the very next morning. And so he would be hanging on the cross within hours of this prayer. And at the cross, he would continue to reveal God's heart, primarily that he is holy. That, as I talked earlier, because God is holy, he can't just ignore our sin. But the cross also reveals that God is love. He's merciful. He's gracious because Jesus came in our place. And that is the message that has transformed us and that propels us. And so it is truly a battle to see. And when I say battle, I mean it's a battle because it is spiritual warfare. And our enemy does not want you to see God's glory. He wants you to see more glory in yourself or more glory in your pastimes or more glory in your job or in any other thing. Even, by the way, good things like your family or your pursuits, and things that are good, can, if they become the ultimate in your life, you have just made that an idol. And so even when you take good things and make them the main thing, you have just taken that creature, that human, that pursuit, whatever it is, that, po- that pastime, that hobby, a good thing can become an idol if you make it the main thing. This, this is critical. Because this right here becomes a foundation for who we are as a church. And as we move forward, it's a battle against our flesh. It's a battle that wages within us the old self that wants to please itself and the new self that wants to please God. And there's this constant battle. And the question is, well, who's going to win every day? On, On any given day, your flesh could really be dominating you. But on any given day, you could be walking in the Spirit and pleasing God. And the question really is, is where do you see more glory? Do we see more glory in things of this world or in Jesus himself? So it is a battle to see. Battle for the mind is a battle to see his glory. And so we accomplish this mission for his glory, but also because we have seen it. And it changes our hearts. And then we want to engage in the mission. And then our heart is so changed and so gripped that we want to commit to a local body. Yes, this body is flawed, for the record. Just so you know, if any of you are considering membership today, I I just want to tell you something. It's a secret, okay? So just keep it in these four walls. We're flawed. It isn't really a secret, is it? I just want you to be very clear. If you do commit to this body, understand that you're going to get hurt. But if you go to another church, guess what will happen there? They're going to hurt you too. Guess what your wife or your husband do to you or your kids or your children? They hurt you. We're a family. 
Now, we don't do it on purpose. Like, we're not out to hurt you. We don't want to hurt you. You know, that's not the goal. The goal is you and the team have been talking about that for weeks on community and loving each other, and we're one, and we need authentic community. And so the goal is not that. The goal is harmony. Because when we have harmony, the world knows that God sent Jesus. It allows us to accomplish the mission. So the goal is that we love each other and that we're a family, a functional, not a dysfunctional family. But even healthy families have disagreements. But because they love each other, they get past it and they move forward. And that's what we're about is we want to have harmony together. We need to. There aren't that many churches in Abu Dhabi. Now, we need to plant more. And we're going to plant more. But there aren't that many. And so the ones that we have, we have to stick together. We have to commit and say, all right, let's get to work. Let's do this mission together. Jesus gave it to us. Let's not waste our lives. Let's be about God's business. And so let's talk for a few minutes as as we kind of close and move into this time of talking specifically on membership and what we're about as a church, which you've been hearing about it for weeks. And so you know that already. So there aren't any surprises in who we are been here for even a few weeks, you would know what we're about. But let's talk specifically about the requirements for membership and committing to this local body. Because we are pursuing this mission together, and we're about glorifying Christ. If you've been here in the last few weeks, we have asked you to pick up three documents that are at the back table. A lot have been taken, so that's a good thing. If you're a guest today, you might be a little bit lost on what's going on this morning. Um, But this is a fairly new church. You see, this church is really incredible. Uh, A little over three years ago, God planted a seed, a seed of desire in, in the hearts of two different groups of people. See, God planted these seeds of desire in the hearts of the Evangelical Community Church leadership, otherwise known as ECC. It's a large church, about 1,400 people. It meets in Al-Mushrif on one street across from the British school, not far from the immigration. And so that's where that church is. And they've been around for like 25 plus years. Now, so ECC was the church leadership, Pastor Cam and Associate Pastor Joe. God put on their hearts to plant a church. But simultaneously, God planted that same seed of desire in the hearts of about 30 or so people that were members of ECC, but that were living out here, Abahia, Khalifa City, Mohammed bin Zayed, you know, in areas that are in the more outskirt. Now, today, it's not quite as outskirt. It's grown so much. But a few years ago, it was, you know, the smaller community outside of the main Abu Dhabi island. And so God, at the same time, he was working in the hearts of these people, many of which are still here today. Not all, maybe about half of those that were there then are still here today. God put in their hearts to plant a church and also in the ECC leadership. And so they began the journey and began meeting. And then God provided the zoo for for that fellowship to be congregating. Now, 10 months ago, so, you know, just in January, that fellowship became an official church. She voted on a constitution, so it was ratified, called elders in official sense, And so this is a three-plus-year-old church, but it was only 10 months ago that she became a fully organized, formal church with the Constitution and elders. And so it's, even if you say three years, it's a fairly young church compared to church, you know, 10 times older on the island. 
And so what we have here is a church that is excited about glorifying Christ by making and developing disciples. And so let's talk about what it looks like. This is the first time that we've really had a conversation since I've been here for all of six months, by the way, to the day, because I arrived here in May on the 23rd. So exactly six months. And so I'm, you know, half a year, I'm, I'm doing good. I still love it. And so let's talk about that. Again, if you've been here the last few weeks, we have talked about the Constitution, the Church Covenant, and also our Statement of Beliefs. Three documents that we want you to have read. And so if you have not picked up and, and considered those documents, if you have not read them and, and really sought God in prayer, then I would ask you today not to fill out a card because you, you don't know enough. Now, if you say, well, I know enough, I'll fill out the, I'm not going to stop you, all right? I mean, you can fill out the card. But what I'm saying is we want you to have read the documents. It's important to us that you know who we are, what we believe, what we're about, okay, and how, how we're governed in the Constitution. And so with that said, let's begin by talking about the church covenant. If, if you've read it, then this is familiar to you. If you haven't, then just kind of listen in. And there's more in the back. And so if someone wants to follow along, then you can probably raise your hand and I'm sure Earl, who's talking to James back there, who's not paying attention, I'm sure Earl would be more than happy to give you one if indeed you need one, okay? So if you want a covenant, you can raise your hand. Um, but here's what it says. Having been brought by God's grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and by agreeing with the statement of faith, I now desire to unite with ECC Off-Island as a member by establishing this covenant with the faith family. While depending upon God's spirit, I resolve to do the following. And so by becoming a member, you, what you are saying is that this is your heart and, and that you share these desires with this local body and that you want to accomplish the mission together. And so we are having this covenant, this pledge together. And there's three sections. The first one is I will protect the unity of our church. So again, the unity of our church. And so how will we do that? By refusing to gossip or speak evil of others. That's important. We are committing to brotherly love and humility, gentleness, to encouraging one another and to admonishing one another when necessary. And so we are committing to get in people's lives in an authentic way and to truly help one another even if it's hard because the relationship is worth it. And then we also commit to unity by rejoicing with those who rejoice and also by weeping with those who weep. We're in it together, for better or worse. By faithfully following the church leadership. And so these are the elements that you are committing to to maintain church unity. Category number two is I will share in the ministry of our church. How? By praying for her health and growth, by using my gifts and talents to serve the faith family, and by demonstrating a servant's heart. Now, I want to stop there just for a second, all right? I won't take too long, but if you look in your bulletin, if you have one, hopefully you did get one, you will notice there's a whole section that describes opportunities for serving, and so this describes all of our different ministry teams, and so if you're going to become a member, if you feel God leading you that this is going to be your faith family, this is your church, and you're going to commit here then what you're saying is that you're going to serve. Because quite honestly, it's not an option. 
to have someone that's committed and that doesn't serve. And so here's how this works. We have this covenant as a church. Now, does the Bible describe that we should have a covenant? No. I just want you to know that. If you read the Bible, nowhere does it say, that shall have a church covenant. It's not in there. But at the same time, when you read the Bible, it also doesn't say, thou shalt wear wedding rings. It doesn't say that either. And it also doesn't say that thou shalt say wedding vows at your wedding. It doesn't say that either. But why do we wear wedding rings, and why do we have specific vows that we say? Why do you think that when you have a man and a woman that wants to get married, they stand before a pastor, before their friends and family, and before God, and they say things like, I will not leave you for better or worse, in sickness or in health, whether we have money or not. I will cherish you. I'll stay with you till death do us part. Now, if you're married, whatever culture expression you had, you said some words along those lines. You made your heart known. You said to yourself, I'm not ashamed to call you my bride or my groom, and I want everyone to know it. And before God, I am committing, and I make these vows. And so the very nature of marriage means that we make vows. That's just what God's revealed, and so that's what marriage is. And so the, the very commitment level that, that's for life necessitates vows. Same thing with the church. It's the very relationship of the church that we have bound, we have connected ourselves, and we're saying for as long as God allows me to live in Abu Dhabi, for better or worse, for sickness or for health, till I move from Abu Dhabi, until God moves me, I won't leave. I'm committed. I'm going to serve you. Husbands, you say, I'll serve my wife. And wives, I will serve my husband. We will raise our children together. And so we make these commitments, and that's kind of what this is like. We're saying, this is my family. This is where I'm going to grow. This is where I'm going to have community. This is where I'm going to influence for the gospel. And so when you commit, you're basically saying, I'm going to have my growth happen here, and my community happen here, and my influence happen here. And so the question, if you are considering this today, is where are you serving, or where do you plan to serve? And there are several opportunities right here on the sheet. Now, some of these are clearly spiritual. Prayer team, yes, that's in the Bible. Youth ministry, no problem. You know, we want to take care of our youth and our children. That's easy. Worship team, the Bible says to sing. So those, those are clearly spiritual. But there's one here that you might notice and think, now is that really spiritual? The communications team, is that, is that spiritual? Yes, it is. It is spiritual. Because it's important for our church to know what's happening and to have a website that's functioning and to have a newsletter that is done excellently so people know what's happening. I mean, it keeps us informed. And so if you have the skills of writing or web design or of using different programs, or if you like databases or spreadsheets, if you're administrative, if you enjoy any of those things that would be media, social networking, communications in general, then we, we need you to help with that. 
And if you're using your skills to glorify God, is that not worship? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. And so whatever you do, if you're doing it for him, then he is pleased. It's an act of worship. And so that, of course, includes playing instruments, and we need more instrumentalists and vocalists. And so by all means, you could do that. We need more help with the children's area. And so you're thinking, oh, no, I already watched my own kids. Well, maybe once a month we have rotations, people that can be a substitute in case the teacher is sick. And you can help whenever there's a need. Not every week, but there's a need, and then we call you and you help on that particular Friday. Or if you love children and you want to teach, then you would teach for about one month, and then you'd be off for a few months. And so we don't want you to miss the worship gathering, and so no one is going to be asked to do anything on these side rooms with youth or children that you would miss every single week. But we do ask you to commit and serve in some capacity because that's the influence part of what we do. And so if you are considering it, then there are sheets in the back table that you can fill out that have these very same teams, and you can pick which ones you're interested in, and then just turn it into us, and we'll call you and describe how you can be more involved in serving. And so if you commit to this body, you're saying that I will share in the ministry of our church. Now, I want to give you a very brief exercise to help you understand how we want you to serve. And so if you have a pen or pencil, hopefully you do, I want you to write your name, okay? Now go ahead, like you're just staring at me, but I'm serious. And so grab a, grab a pen or a pencil, and I want you to write your name. A lot of you are still staring at me. I don't know why you're doing that. And so grab a pen or a pencil, and just right here on your notes, I want you to write your name, okay? If you want, just your first name, if it's that difficult, you know, on Friday morning. And so I want you to just write your name. And then I want you to switch hands. Use your offhand right next to it to write your name again, okay? So if you're a lefty, don't cheat. Use your right hand. So I want you to switch hands and write your name again. Now, as you're doing that, you're experiencing three things, all right? Now, I already know what you're experiencing. Number one, it's taking you longer, right? When you're writing your name with your offhand, it's taking you longer to do it. Secondly, it's harder. It's more work. And so it's going to take you longer to do it, and it's going to be more work. And thirdly, you still stunk at it. It's still terrible, isn't it? And so when you use your offhand, it takes you longer, it's more work, and it's not even as good. It's, it doesn't even look good. It looks terrible. And that's the way we want you to serve. You're like, what are you talking about? This makes perfect sense. If you are a very quiet, reserved individual, and we put you as a greeter, it's going to take you longer to do it, it's going to be harder for you, and you won't be good at it. You won't. If you, if you don't like to sing, or if you're not good at it, but we, we put you up here because you know, we need someone to play or sing, well, it'll take you longer to do it, and it's going to be harder, and you won't be good at it. And it's the same thing with children, same thing with media, same thing with administrative. Whatever it is, if you are serving in a capacity that's not natural to you, then it's going to be harder, and you wouldn't even be good at it. We want you to serve in a way that is natural to who you are. 
We want you to serve based upon your personality, based upon your skills, based upon your gifts, how God has uniquely made you. And so every single person in this room has a very unique, particular way that you can serve Christ. And it may be different from someone else. Just like your handwriting is different from someone else. But you can all write your name. And so you may do one thing better than someone else or not as good, but that's okay. We need everyone. We're all members of the same body. And so you need to serve in some capacity consistent with who you are and what you enjoy, how God has made you. That's how you serve. And so we want to match up who you are, what the right ministry you have is marriage, and then what you have is fruitfulness, number one, and you have fulfillment, number two. And so you'll be fulfilled and you'll be fruitful. If you're in the wrong area where it doesn't suit you, then it's not going to be fulfilling or fruitful. So this is an expectation. And then fourthly in our ministry is we will commit to ministry by actively building relationships with unbelievers and share the gospel with them. So we're talking about being influential, like we talked about last week, being on mission every day in our daily lives. And in the last section, I will support the testimony of my church. And so how? By faithfully attending worship gatherings, by seeking God's help to live carefully in this world and denying ungodliness and worldly passions. I will strive to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. Number three, by financially contributing cheerfully, generously, and regularly to the support of the ministry in the expenses of the church, relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel. And so we're not talking about money all the time around here, but it is a spiritual act of worship. And so if you say, I'm going to be a member here, what you're saying is, is that you're going to honor God by giving of your income that he's allowed you to have. And so he's giving you the health, he's giving you the opportunities, the intelligence to have income, and so we give back as an act of worship. And lastly, this is important, oftentimes ignored, but very important. I will support the testimony by committing that upon moving from Abu Dhabi, I will unite with another church as soon as possible where I can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And so what this means is, it is not okay for you to just disappear. It's not okay. If you stop coming, we're going to notice, especially if you have a home group, which you're supposed to. You should all be in the home group. And so incidentally, if you don't have a home group, then you're missing out. You really are. And, and the church leadership expectation is if you remember that you have a home group. This really isn't a negotiable. You have to have a home group because it is a primary avenue for you to have that authentic community and to have the word and to have truth in your life every week. And if you don't have that, then you're kind of on your own. And so this is part of what we're doing as a church. And so if you have people in your life and you leave, then we're going to know. And we want to know that you're okay. And if you get mad at someone, we want to make sure that you reconcile that. We don't want you to be mad and then just walk out the back door. Oh, I hate that person and that church. No, we want to work it out. We want to know what happened. We want to talk to you and say, hey, how do we offend you? Well, why did you leave our, our faith family? What went wrong? What need went unmet? We want to be a family. 
And so families don't give up on each other. And so if something happens and you have to leave, well, okay, if God's moving you, that's fine. But we want to know what, what's going on in your life. We want to know that you're in a good church and that when you leave, that you commit that you'll find a church that preaches the gospel and accomplishes the spirit of this covenant, a church where you will truly have community and you will be influential and you will grow. That's what we want to know. Now, I will not read the Constitution this morning because we'll be here way through lunchtime. The thing's going to you know, end, and so we, we want to make sure and just make sure that you've read the Constitution on your own time. As far as our belief statements, um, it's pretty straightforward. Again, hopefully you've read that. Our view on the Bible being the authority from God. Of course, we're from the Trinity. God is three persons but one God. Of course, we believe in Christ, fully man, fully God. He died for our sins, and he'll come back in person. The Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. He is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in judgment. This is in the Bible, that there will be a bodily resurrection. You will die, but you'll be resurrected one day. If you believed in Christ, when you're resurrected, you will receive a glorified body and be with him in heaven forever. If you don't believe in Christ, you're resurrected to be, have a body, to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And that's painful to us, which is why we're about the mission, the Christian life, that we'll conduct ourselves with honor and integrity, the church that is made of people who believe in Christ and that we're united by the gospel, the ordinances. Last week, we had both of them. We had communion and baptism. And so we saw three people that have received Christ, were baptized last week. We had communion last week. And so both of these ordinances are a picture of the gospel itself. The goals of the church, we've been at it for a couple of months. Why are we here? To make disciples. That's what we're here for. It's in here. And it says how? By going, baptizing, and teaching. Going, we talk about that being influence in your life. Baptizing is a sign of community. You're part of the faith family. So community, teaching is growing. And so we do it in those three ways. And so you have that. If you have a problem with one of these, then we need to talk. Because we don't want you to be a member of our church if you don't believe in Jesus or the Holy Spirit or any of these things. You know, that's important to us that we maintain purity in our church. We've been talking a lot. And you're probably thinking, okay, well, let's, let's go ahead and get on with this. I want to go to the picnic. This is important. I appreciate your attention this morning. It's a little bit different from a typical Friday morning going through these kinds of things. But as a church that's kind of getting her footing down and making sure that we know who we are, what we believe, and how we're going to move forward, and we know, well, who's here, who's committed, and who's just on the fringe. Well, I want all of you to be part of the core and be committed. And so here's how this is going to work, okay? All of you received a card. It was in your bulletin when you first came in. If you have read these documents, if you agree with them, then I'm going to ask you in just a second to fill out this card because your last blank on your notes is will you commit to your last blank? I'm sure you guessed it. Will you commit to accomplishing Jesus' mission with this family? And that really is the question. Are you going to do the mission here with this faith family? Will you commit? And so by committing, here's how this works. You have to, number one, be a believer in Christ. That's first and foremost. If you don't believe in Christ, you can't be a member. 
because we don't, we don't agree. And if you're seeking, if you're new, then by all means, keep coming. We're not saying we're a closed club. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, hear me. If you're checking this out, if you're new and you're unsure, then we say, by all means, keep coming on Fridays. Keep going to a home group. Keep seeking. Keep asking more questions. And I pray that your journey will end with you receiving Christ and having your eyes opened. But if you're thinking, I'm not sure, I'm not ready for that, I'm just putting my toe in the water, I'm just feeling it out, well, then keep feeling it out. We want you to keep coming. We, we want you to feel welcome. But if you have been coming, and if you say, I am ready, this is it, I want to commit. If that's where you're at, then you have to be a believer in Christ. Number two, you have to agree with our covenants, and you have to sign off on it, and agree with our belief statement and sign off on that as well. And so we ask that, that you would sign, and this happens at an interview with one of our elders. And so you aren't a member by filling out this card, by the way. This is not a magic card. This is just cardboard. It's just a card. It's just a tool so that we know that you want to be a member. And so this card indicates to us, I'm interested, please call me. And an elder will call you this week. And you will look at your calendar and his calendar, and you'll find a meeting place. It could be in your home, his home, mug and bean. It can be casual. It can be formal. It's up to you. But you'll have a face-to-face -face meeting with an elder. And you'll talk about your salvation experience and your spiritual journey. You'll tell the elder how you received Christ and where you're at currently spiritually. And you'll talk about your ministry, where you're going to be serving in this body. And then you will sign the covenant and the belief statement. And then at that point, we'll meet as elder body, and you'll officially be an, uh, a church member. Now, does that make you more spiritual? No. Does it make God love you more? No. It's no brownie points. There's no extra little you know, jewel in your crown in heaven. It's not like that. It's just you expressing that you're committed to this local body of Christ. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up to the front. And as they do, I want to pray for you. I want to pray as, as you just consider whether God would have you become a member of this body and say, okay, I'm all in. This is my church, and I'm going to do the mission here. I'm going to grow here, have a community here, and have influence here. And so how this is going to work is they're going to play in just a second, just soft music, and you can just pray. Just take a moment and just pray. And if you do feel led to be a church member, you can fill out the card. And after it's clear that everyone is finished, we'll, we'll have the offering team come by. Now, it's not a second offering. We, we don't want more money. It's not like that. It's to pick up the card, okay? And so when the, when the offering bag comes by, it's to put your card in if indeed you desire to be a member. And then I'll pray, and we'll, we'll get directions to the park, and we'll just go celebrate together. And so whether you do a card or not doesn't matter. Come to the park anyway. We want to hang out together and get to know each other and just celebrate this day together. We have the food. You just come, and we'll have a good time fellowshipping as we move forward together. Father, we are so humbled that you would give us this awesome privilege of being called your children and that your son would pray that he yearns for us to be near him. 
and you yearn for us to see your glory. And the more of it that we see and the less glory that we see in this world, the more we love you and the more our hearts are going to be gripped and the more we will desire to pursue you and accomplish this mission together. And so I just pray for this faith family this morning. I pray that you would help us to be the people that you want us to be. I pray that you would help us to accomplish your mission because we so yearn to glorify you. And we know that we do it for your glory, but we also do it because of the glory that we've experienced in our lives. And so I pray for anyone in this room that is either grappling with what it means to receive Christ or anyone who is considering making this their faith family. I pray you would bless them that we would have harmony and unity, that we would be a church that shows your love to the world. Thank you for letting us be in Abu Dhabi for this privilege. Thank you for giving us this mission. We're so unworthy. Thank you. Thank you for this time. And we just pray this in Jesus' name.